Isn't Instagram a weird phrase? Like, does it mean like instant grandma? Previously on Booze and Buffy. Oh, she oh. said he's a honey. Uh, Ari Angel. Uh, yeah, but she's also like a rotting corpse. Yeah. Except it's not a fucking Wendigo. Hi there, I'm Tyler and I'm here with Harrison. Welcome back to Booze and Buffy. We are watching and discussing each episode of Buffy the Vampire Slayer in the correct order. No spoilers, because Tyler has never seen the show before. And Harrison has. A new haircut. Well, Tyler, tell me which episode we're watching today. Uh, we're watching Season 1, Episode 7. How do you pronounce it? <laughs> Angel. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. It was like, um, 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 gal. Angle. Angel. Angel. We're totally just stealing these Angel. jokes. From, from our special guest who is, we have not introduced yet. We'll get to that later. <laughs> Angel was written by David Greenwald and directed by Scott Brazil and originally aired on April 14th, 1997, which incidentally is Sarah Michelle Gellar's birthday. I'm going to check that real quick. Like, I felt really confident as I was saying it, but now I'm like, uh-oh. <laughs> um... Yes, April 14th, 1997. Well, 1977. Of course she got to make out with Angel on her birthday. I mean, to be fair, it aired on her birthday. It didn't, that doesn't mean they filmed it on her birthday. Ow! Oh. Bruce and Buffy. Damn. What will we see? Buffy. What? What vocab words will we learn that again? Slay. What vocab words will we learn that again? Yes. What is on the gay agenda for today? Outfits. What is on the gay agenda for today? Angel. It's Booze and Buffy. All right. So before we get into the episode proper, and before we even get into our toast, I would like to introduce our guests that we have with us today. Mr. Jason Effinger. Jason Effinger. Um, uh, Jason's a good friend of ours who we asked to be on this episode with us. Um, Jason, why do you think I asked you to be on this episode? Harrison is very much aware that I am a very big fan of the character Angel. Mm -hmm. uh, actually, uh, as big a fan to the point where I have Angel's tattoo on my back in approximately the same spot. Truth. Angel's actually my favorite fictional character, uh, right up there with the Doctor from Doctor Who. Yeah. So I felt it only appropriate that we asked Jason to be on this Angel namesake episode. Oh, so awesome. Um, Jason, tell us a little bit about... I feel like I'm interviewing someone for a job right now. <laughs> I'm like, tell me you what, might as well be. Tell me what your qualifications to be on our podcast. <laughs> Don't joke. This is exactly what you're. Uh, you're, you're <laughs> what I do when I'm like interviewing people. You're, you're like, that's okay. I'm great at What do you think about Buffy? They're like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, not hiring you. Bye. <laughs> um, so no, Jason, tell us a little bit about your Buffy background. Being careful to avoid any spoilers. <laughs> well, when I was. Uh, 
when Buffy was first airing, my dad was actually a pretty big fan of it. Um, yeah, uh, and he... Uh, Your dad's name is... Bill. No, not even close. Whatever, your mom's name is Donna. Yeah, that, that one he knows for some reason. <laughs> Let's not get into that. <laughs> the, uh, but yeah, and it was, so it was something that I was like exposed to while I was in his original run. Yeah. Uh, but I didn't really start watching it until uh, when I was in college. And it was one day uh, back when Hulu was kind of free and they didn't have Hulu Plus or whatever it is now. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had the first three seasons of Buffy on there. And I had just a free day, and so I'm like, you know what, I think I'm going to just give this series a try. And I watched the first episode, and I'm like, okay, I'm into this. And luckily, uh, one of my good friends, a mutual friend that Harris and I share, Ben Gerhart, he uh, he owned all the seasons of both Buffy and its spinoff Angel on DVD. So as soon as I ran out of seasons on Hulu, he let me uh, finish watching the show. Very nice. Pretty cool. I believe... Uh, being Buffy fans was one of the first things that you and I bonded over. Uh, was that that or Parks and Rec? It was, it was one of those things, or, or probably some sort of combination. Yeah. Like, um, it was, it was a shared language that we could speak. Um, all right. So before we get into the episode, let's do our, our toast. Tyler, what are you drinking? Mm. I don't, what what, what am I drinking? Yes, you were drinking a gin and tonic. <laughs> I'm drinking a gin and tonic. Um, I am also drinking a gin and tonic. However, most of my glasses were dirty, so I'm drinking it out of a coffee mug from the Evan Williams uh, uh, Distillery here in Louisville. And the Buy coffee mug. Now. <laughs> we are not sponsored by <laughs> Evan Williams, uh, but the mug says this is probably bourbon. Which is inaccurate. It's actually gin. Um, but there is often bourbon in here. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh, I'm currently drinking a Yingling. Mm-hmm. Um, I was actually drinking a martini during our viewing of the episode. But uh, it's a rather snowy day outside, and I have other places to be after this, so I need to make sure that I'm <laughs> able to drive. <laughs> he's got he's to sober up from his martini, so he's drinking beer, which is basically bread. Yeah, like it's like Lent and stuff, right? Did you say Lent? Yeah, is in the season of Lent. Yeah, is that right now? No, no. Ash Wednesday is not for a couple days. And by days, that? I mean weeks. <laughs> it's on my Game of Thrones calendar. This time of year, I figure like all the fish restaurants are like going. They're there. they're getting ready. They're like they're pre gaming. <laughs> McDonald's is heavy advertising its filet o fish. Yeah. Of oh. course, when this episode is actually like, like. Put out there, we probably would be in Lent or past it. Possibly might even be Easter. Happy Easter, everyone! <laughs> it could be Christmas. It won't. Happy be Easter, everyone! <laughs> All right. So, Jason, would you like to lead our toast? We we have no like set toast. We just do. We just toast. Usually, okay. I say something sarcastic. All right. Well, I will try to do something heartfelt. Here's to uh, watching wonderful TV with wonderful people. Oh, so much more heartfelt than I usually do. Yeah. Yeah, I'm usually like, here's to me, here's to me, fuck you. <laughs> I'll, say that, I'll say that if there's a, uh, another time that you bring me on. Yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, this is the last episode that Angel ever appears on. Well, so. dang, it. I forgot he does appear on this episode. <laughs> Spoilers! 
Um, so let's jump into the episode. Um, we start out with um, the master. He's <laughs> what? The Masters uh, being, I, I, I've said it before, I'm just going to say it again, the Masters being a bit of a drama queen. Mm. He's all pissy. That's a theme. It is a theme. One. That's the theme of the episode. The Master is a drama queen. Okay, all of, the, of all of the Buffy villains, he's very much the one that you would most likely find on a Saturday morning cartoon show. <laughs> very much so. Have we not compared him to Voldemort yet? No, but he's definitely got a Voldemort-esque like, face. I've seen like minus the nose, but in this case, plus the nose. Yeah, I've seen like mistaken memes, like where they like put like Harry Potter quotes over like like pictures of the master. <laughs> <laughs> it's like not right at all. Nice. <laughs> um, I could definitely see the master being like. Like, there is no good, there is no evil, there is only power. <laughs> and those too weak to seek it. Uh, very good. Hair slams. That's not the Harry Potter co- quote. I was like, I'm, I'm so fact check that, that quote. See how many. That's okay. There are Harry Potter books right over there. Yeah. <laughs> I'll just go get my encyclopedia. Next to the angel action figure. Yes. Oh, I have to be careful about that. You. Tyler can't see the details of that angel action figure, so I need to make sure it's... Oh, I, I which I bought for him. You did buy that for me. But we can't say what the action figure is up because it is a minor spoiler. Yep. So... Yeah, well, I won't look at it. Don't look at it. I, I need to put it away. We, spoiler alert, <laughs> Angel has a spinoff. <laughs> I think we've already talked about that. Yeah, yeah. Because um, we, at some point, have to discuss... Well, they're not trying to yeah, what, how that is going to go right. But we've got some time. Um, it's Jason's spinoff series. <laughs> Dude, I could get down for that. <laughs> yeah. Um, DTS, down to spinoff. Down to spinoff. <laughs> down to fight. Buffy, oh. <laughs> um, down to fight. But the master you were saying. <laughs> I'm fine. Yeah, you spit that out. No, no I, I drank an ice cube. I was like, I mean, it wasn't that funny of a joke. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm hilarious. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Do you think John's dead? Yeah. Huh. I mean, this happens all the time. You're gonna call him and he's gonna be like, I'm at Kroger. You've been at Kroger for like three hours. Like, they no, have I great deals. First. Yeah. Or honestly, what he probably did is he probably went to St. Matthew's to visit like the liquor stores and do like our normal our normal Sunday like errands that now he does alone because because I'm recording. Fair. Life of a celebrity spouse. Um, so anyway, the master being master. total drama queen. He's real pissy because uh, Buffy killed what is one the of. Master's accent? He's like, I'm I think he's. Lawyer. I think his accent is regular American talking through vampire prosthetics. <laughs> <laughs> like it's the same accent that Darla develops when she's in vampire face. Um. Vampire face. It sounds racist, but is it? <laughs> yeah. Okay. It's super <laughs> racist against vampires. Um, fun fact that I learned um, when I was watching, I think it was the commentary for the pilot, the reason that Joss Whedon have the vampires like go into vamp face um, was because he wanted, he didn't want it looking like Buffy was just killing people. He wanted to really, really distinguish that they were monsters that Buffy was killing. That's interesting how that factors into something I talk about when we get like later in the episode. Okay. Right. Kind of like Sailor Moon in the adaptation because she was they were supposed to like become more like 
heroic looking. And it looks like you're gesturing breasts. Like, and I was like, does well, heroic looking mean more boob? And older. The oh, show's all about fighting evil by moonlight and winning love by daylight. Yeah. Kind of like, like what Buffy In the does. American version, they look more similar. Mm. There's less of the, like, alter ego kind of, like, different personality thing. Gotcha. That you're kind of talking about. Yeah. Um, I just read, like, a BuzzFeed article on it. So he's pissed and he's like I'm gonna get the three the three who are remarkably undeveloped in this yes actually I really really like this episode and one of my notes that I took was uh, it's a really strong episode and then there's the three and they're Giles makes them out to be a very huge threat and they're really not they're really not um, that whole scene, I was like, oh no, come on. <laughs> um, they look like off brand Klingons. Um, yeah, they're Klingon y. They, yeah, it's. I don't know shit about Star Trek, though. So. They do kind of look like off brand Klingons. Like from what I know. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, yeah, it's just a. Um, yeah, you, you're right. They're very underdeveloped as villains, they're not very what threatening. About, like, b- before that, like at the Bronze. Like and Willow does the bronze come first, or is just the scene with the master throwing his temper tantrum? Well, master has to throw his temper tantrum, then, then we go to the bronze. Her, has her brooding scene. Okay. I meant the like Buffy giving like, oh no, help me. Oh okay, yeah, that comes. That. That's later. So I was working backwards. <laughs> yes, we go to the bronze where they're having. It's the. The pre-fumigation party. Oh my god. Um, <laughs> Which is fucking gross. It is really gross. And it, they're, you we're just, about to pump okay. this place full of toxins. This is the real discussion. Like, we didn't really hash this out during the episode. Why is it the bronze? Why? Is it third place? <laughs> my theory is that there are two other better clubs in the Sunnydale area called the Golden Silver. <laughs> Which, and then I jumped on and I was like, so like the gold is like like older people and then like silver is like senior citizens oh i think gold would be for senior citizens yeah golden years yeah or like golden anniversary but silver could be silver haired that's true that's what i was going for. that's true maybe it's Bronze two clubs like for under old two clubs for old people middle like the <laughs> first place it's like mm. it's a kind of your life okay i see i see this okay um, I think the real answer is someone thought they were being really edgy when they named it the bronze. The bronze. <laughs> um, or like maybe it used to be a really fancy club, and then like and then too like, many vampire attacks. It just they like just kind of went down. <laughs> that I kind of get. Like the bronze used to be cool in the seventies. Oh like, yeah, yeah. And then just like over time, it the teenagers it does seem started like a showing club up. that is like stretching to keep up with the current decade. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's where I see the, that sounds very seventies to yeah. me. That that actually that really explains a lot about the bronze. If we're going with that theory that it was like it used to be the hop in place that's really been struggling to stay modern. That's why. That's why they let in miners. That, yeah, that's why the miners get let in. That's why they sell scones. They're just like throwing anything so at the wall to cool. see what sticks. It's in a fucking warehouse. <laughs> like it's not. A... It also is a very convenient place for fight scenes. Yes. It's like. It's got a fucking fire escape in the middle of the dance floor. (laughs) Dude, sometimes that floor gets hot. It's true. Sometimes what you really need to do... Speaking of hot, let's talk about Xander's dance moves. Uh, Let's not. Let's not talk about... He's being really annoying. 
but this is one of the funniest moments in the whole episode. Is him at the prom? Is it when Cordelia? Oh, which <laughs> tell us, because <laughs> I can't remember. He's just hopping around. He's being just a stupid boy, as he always does. Accurate. And he tries to like he kind of runs into Cordelia, I guess. Or walk me through this. Uh, he dances into Cordelia. Yes. He dances into Cordelia, and she like insults him. He as she, as she is wont to do, but. She's like, you stepped on my, like, $200 shoes or something like that. And then he essentially calls her a hooker. Yeah. He's like, you know, it's not true what everybody says about you, Cordelia. You don't look like a hooker (laughs) or something to that effect, which is one of those, like, insults that I've totally heard from people in real life and, like, love it every time. (laughs) It's not true what everybody says about you. (laughs) Say exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Yeah, Xander's not the greatest character Really at all through the show. I am... I... So, I don't want to get too ahead of things. Yeah. I I will say, I find Xander... He tends to fall near the bottom of my list of favorite characters. But I do think that Xander matures a lot over the course of the show. And I find later season Xander much more tolerable than high school Xander. But we're at high school Xander right now, so yeah. that's who we're going to talk about. Yeah, and when the show is, is in its heyday, that's like usually what which char- which versions of the characters you remember. And right. I am I'm not the biggest fan of Xander really at all. Fair. I find Xander his worst quality is really really present in this episode, and that's his possessiveness he's of like, his you female friends. In my place instead of staying in your yeah. place with him. And every time Angel comes up, he's just like, Ooh, Angel. Ooh. Um, and the like, only time, looking in me. right? The only time that I feel like he's justified in like his angel outrage is when he finds out Angel's a vampire, and then only briefly he ruins it almost immediately. <laughs> <laughs> um, but so there were we're pre fumigating, and I, I guess you if you kill a cockroach, if you kill a cockroach or give it to the bartender, you get a free drink. Which gross! I don't want to drink at that bar. <laughs> I didn't pick up on that. Oh, oh that's pretty gross. No, that's like, that's on the sun. It's like, oh. kill a bug, get a free drink. <laughs> Which, I mean, it's a kid's club. It's like an underage club, so it's like, oh, hey, here's your free Diet Coke. <laughs> it's so gross, but Willow gets her first kill in this episode. Right. A cockroach. Which, on the Buffy wiki, um, it actually lists, every episode page has a death count. And at the top of the death count for this episode, it lists one cockroach squashed by Willow Rosenberg at the bronze. Spoiler alert, that post was edited by Joss Whedon. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, I did not have Willow kill a cockroach. (laughs) You all are going to remember this. Um, And then she, like, shoves it in Xander's face at the end of the scene. Okay. Well, that's Um, because he's busy being like, oh, Buffy doesn't like me. Yeah. So Buffy leaves. She's She's being all broody. That's when the three come out. They attack her. And then she's like, oh no, how am I ever going to do this by myself? Enter Angel. Yeah. Which okay. is... I think... That, yeah, I mean, the, the, the point of that scene really is to show that the three are the baddest. Like, even Buffy needs help with these three, but... but they die after that. Yeah, yeah. They fail. They... And they kill themselves. No, Darla kills them. They offer them. They offer themselves up to be killed, and then Darla kills them, and Darla is 
into it. She's like, oh, I get to kill someone. Even the master's like, look away, child. <laughs> there's a um, uh, there's a little bit of trivia that I read that uh, the inspiration for the three comes from uh, like a medieval a medieval king of some kind uh, grouped his warriors into like there were the thirty and there were the three. Really. And uh, that explains why, like the th- the three were wearing like discount armor. discount medieval armor. <laughs> mm-hmm. I didn't know that. That's really cool. There you go. <laughs> I'm so glad we have you on this episode, Jason. <laughs> um, so they get away from the three and run to Buffy's house. She's like, quickly, Angel, get inside my house. Mm-hmm. Take off your jacket and your shirt and your shirt. She's oh my like, because he's. She's injured. Person. She's Girl, like, don't mess around. She, yeah, she's like, she sees an opportunity. She's like, ooh, he's got a wound. I'm gonna bandage it up. <laughs> uh, yeah, this nurse. This episode goes a little English patient. <laughs> <laughs> she, um, I, and I love, I, I do love, um, like the chemistry between Sarah Michelle Geller and David Boreanaz is hot. No, well, like, and you know who's into all of like the steamy stuff in this episode? Willow. She is. <laughs> Willow kind of messy in this episode. A little bit. She's so focused on um, like she transitions from Velma to Daphne real quick. Like Willow's not ditzy in this episode. She's more like awkward. She's kind of just like I am a She cannot get over like the thought of. Boys in this episode, and not like she's not like hung up on boys, but she's every time Buffy's talking about her interactions with Angel, she's like like watching them. Oh, it's very much like uh, like I said while we were watching the episode, it's very much like a a PG romance novel, and Willow is here for it. She loves. She cannot wait to hear every dirty detail that is innocent Willow. I mean. It's not even the dirty details. She loves, like, oh, he was a perfect gentleman. And she's like, oh, oh, I love it. Um, So they get, um, oh, uh, she gets them all bandaged up. They have a sexy moment. Lots of man nipple. Um, we're, it's right in the corner of the frame. Yeah, it's like they could have easily, they like. They the choice. They, they, yeah. <laughs> they deliberately made sure that that nipple was in the shot. Several times. Good job, video editors. <laughs> and then Joyce comes home, and the indispensable Captain Sutherland. We love her, and her mom. Like Christine Sutherland. Christine Sutherland. Oh, I'm awful. Yeah. I you, apologize. You are. Um, I love that Joyce's. I love how quick Joyce's mom instincts are when she sees Angel. She's like, "Hi, who is this, Buffy?" <laughs> mom, I love Buffy. Like she's more worried that. Mom's gonna find a shirtless dude in their kitchen. So like, whenever she looks at him, she's relieved. Well, yes, like, oh my god, thank God he's clothed. <laughs> yes. She's like, she's like, number one concern: mom didn't get eaten by the vampires outside. Yes. Cool. She's fine. Great. Number two concern: shirtless man in kitchen. Shirtless, <laughs> like, three hundred year old man. And I like when Buffy's like, oh, he's a student, and Joyce is like. He's a student. And she's like, at the community college. (laughs) (laughs) Which, I mean, uh, Buffy at this point is a sophomore. Yes. And uh, that's still pretty scandalous. I mean, and he's like, of age. Yeah. So, I mean, we can assume, based on his appearance, that he was turned into a vampire in his early 20s. 
So, you know, if we're going by, like, okay, so, like, if we're just going by life, and maybe we say that he is kind of in a state of arrested development of sorts at the age of when he turned into a vampire, like you said, that's still, like, uh, it's iffy. <laughs> but, I mean, who knows how they did things back in Ireland 200 <laughs> years ago? Yeah, fair, like, for them. <laughs> yeah, back in his day, that was, like, like the fact that she's not married and doesn't have three kids is, like... Apologies to any Irish who are listening to this. <laughs> or people from 300 years ago. Oh, yeah. But good so, for you. Um, you look great. Darla, all that. She, he stays at her place. He stays at her place. She does the whole, the whole yell out the door to pretend he leaves. So, oh, so. my God. That was cheesy. Uh, hey, else? one thing you need to learn about early seasons of Buffy, and actually probably the entire series in general. But definitely the healthy, first season. There's a healthy amount of cheese. No, that's what I was on. asking early on. I was like, what's the level of camp? Like, High. <laughs> like, almost like a Hercules Legendary Journeys no. and Xena. Oh, not that high. <laughs> like, yeah. that is, that is, that is like top tier camp. Fair enough. Um, but yeah, this first season is definitely higher on the cheese factor. It it does even itself out more. Um, Very but, interestingly enough, uh, Smallville early seasons of Smallville kind of share that oh. uh, kind of share that quality as well. And fun fact about Smallville, it guest stars Amy Adams in one episode, who will also guest star in an episode of Buffy. That's literally the only fun fact he knows about Smallville. It might, only be, <laughs> might be the only fact that he knows about Smallville. I mean, I know things about Smallville, <laughs> but... Uh, Amy Adams was also on an episode of Charmed. But this is not a Smallville Charmed or Amy Adams podcast. Although, an Amy Adams podcast... He just got an idea. Oh! Look out for that one. How do we know? So, we... Buffy, or Angel, stays in Buffy's room. We find out a little bit about him. Buffy kind of, Buffy's like, why do you do this? What's your, your investment in this? And he's cryptic he, at the very least. I, oh, no, he's cryptic AF. I was about to be like, yeah, that's been his whole thing so far. He's like, danger's coming. And she's like, would you care to elaborate? And he's like, there's danger, and it's coming. Disappear. For those he's of you like, who I'm are... Old. For yeah. those of you who are familiar with Edward Cullen more than anything from Buffy, Ugh. guess where they got it from. Yeah. Um, he also has a bit of a, um, you know, I think it's the Dark Knight when uh, when Batman's talking to um, uh, fuck, Gary Oldman. Commissioner Gordon. Commissioner Gordon. And they're on the rooftop, and he's like, Commissioner Gordon, something, something, something. And then Gordon's like asks him like a follow up question, and then he turns around, and Batman's just gone, and and Gordon's just like, "God damn it! Like, I hate it when he fucking does that." Um, That's Angel a word is... for word reading of the Dark Knight screenplay. Commissioner <laughs> Gordon, something, something, something. Batman. <laughs> yeah, it's weird how how much people love that movie. It's very poorly written. Uh, I did. I, that was a joke. The Dark Knight is a very well written movie. But now I'm going to get someone who doesn't think that. They're going to be like, no, you were right the first time. 
You guys like widely over anticipate our scope. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But yeah, he's being super cryptic. But we do find out that he is older, and that he has a dead family, and that vampires killed them. Which is don't know anything else at this point. That's true, but you can guess. I didn't. Whenever he was like, I killed him. I was like, what? Well, it's so delightful having a senior. It is. Well, you know what the fun thing about this is, I, but that's why I like. I really love what, like getting your perspective on this because I've been watching the show so long. I've seen every episode at least ten times. Like yeah. I watch, I rewatch the series at least once a year. It is my favorite TV show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I watch this episode. And they're making out. I'm like, it's not a surprise to me. Like, I know he's a vampire. I actually, when we were recording the first episode, there were a couple times when I was like, oh, an angel's a vampire. But I was like, oh, shit, no. Like, that hasn't been revealed on the show Did yet. You say that? No, I didn't. <laughs> but, it, like, it, I was about to Calm a himself. couple times. Because, to me, angel it's, is a vampire with a soul. He time as a vampire than he does. Yeah. Like, that is... Angel is a vampire with a soul. That is, like, the very crux of his character. Mm. Um, So, not knowing that, even for six, just for six episodes, six and a half episodes, is, like, weird to me. Yeah. Um, So, and I think I actually knew it when I started watching the show. I think it's one of those just pop culture osmosis things that I just picked up, like... You already heard about it. Yeah, like, I don't know how I found out about it, but just, like, as I was watching the show, I was like, oh, yeah, he's the vampire. I remember when I was, uh... When I was, like, uh... Usually when I do a... When I do a watch-through of a franchise show, like, if I do Star Trek or, uh, Stargate or Buffy, I look I look into, like, okay, so what do I have to watch? What are its spinoffs? And, uh... So obviously I was like, oh, here's this Angel spinoff. What exactly is this about? How does it relate to the oh, show? Oh, and, and one of the like, first oh, things it says yeah. is like, a vampire with a soul. Pretty much. Now, <laughs> an, interesting thing, <laughs> an interesting thing about this episode, though, is that it is the first Buffy episode, I believe, to introduce the fact that vampires have no souls. I, I think it's alluded to in... The pilot. Okay. I don't think they say it out loud, but they definitely kind of, like, nudge up against it. But I this mean, is it, the it first could one. easily be, like, they said, um, I haven't seen the first episode in a while. Um, it could easily be, like, they said, oh, they're soulless monsters or something like that. But I um, feel like this is the first... They, where they really elaborate. Yeah, they really on elaborate on that, which is going to become huge in the next season and pretty much throughout the show. Yeah. Um, it's definitely a, a, like that is a significant thing. Yeah, and I feel like I also feel like that's almost a uh, a thing that's I wouldn't say like completely unique, but I feel like it's a thing that's almost was pioneered by the Buffy franchise because I feel like yeah. I feel like with um, with other vampire stories, it's like oh, this is um, like vampires are soulless monsters. I don't think anybody ever really goes into the detail. What on. that? What does that mean? Yeah, it doesn't sound like the lore. It just sounds like something. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, It's more like just a throwaway adjective. Yeah, but in this case, it's very significant that they don't have souls, and the fact, and that makes the fact that Angel does have a soul even more significant. Mm -hmm. Like, um, and um, I, I really like the um, 
the backstory of how he got his soul, that it was a punishment for all of his evil deeds. Mm. Um, Which, of course, that was the get, worst thing they could think of. You get, well, you get a lot more elaboration in the future. Yeah, that, that definitely is a big thing that comes up. But I do like the idea that um, their punishment was not a, it wasn't physical, it wasn't, it was a, an emotional, a mental torture that he has to, you know, he has that line that I really love. He's like, you have no idea what it's like to have done the things I've done and to care about it. Like, he was... Which is what the Romani wanted yeah. uh, throughout. Like, that's the reason that they did that curse. Yeah, you know, they, he has he has so much blood on his hands, so much viciousness. Um, and he says, like, we learned in this episode that he, you know, not only did he kill people, but he had no compunctions about it. Man, woman, child. He, he whole family. Yeah, he loved it. He reveled in it. Um, and now he has to live his eternal life with not only the knowledge that he did all of that, the guilt, but the guilt that he did all that, um, which I, it's Basically fucked up. A vegetarian. He's he's the he's the vampire version of a vegetarian. He only pigs. Um, so it's really great how um, how like this episode really just doesn't doesn't just like give these revelations about angel but they build on so much of the future of the show it's yeah like, i feel like it's maybe the first episode since the pilot that is a huge contributor to the to the rest of the mythology yeah um you're not wrong you could honestly the pilot from between this and the pilot most of the episodes um, you could probably skip and not miss out on any of the... I mean, you'd miss on character moments and world building, but any of the significant mythology, anything part of the arc, um, you know, there is the anointed one. Ugh. But... Um, but this is essential viewing. It's, like, this if, is, you, yeah. if you need essential Buffy episodes, you'll go from the pilot to this one. I agree. Um, but I also recommend watching the whole series. I do too. <laughs> Even Teacher's Pet. So, that one was interesting. <laughs> Where are we in the plot right now? So, at this point... Uh, Buffy's staying the night at... Or, excuse me, <laughs> Angel's staying the night at Buffy's place. Yeah. And, um... So, the next day... He reads her diary. He does not read her diary. She thinks he, he thinks she does. So, the I next know. day she's at school. And I actually really love... Uh, I'm just gonna read this off of the. I'm I'm going through the plot on the on the wiki, but I really love this sentence. Um, when the gang hears about the events the next morning, Xander rather illogically protests that Angel is trying to seduce Buffy by saving her life and getting stabbed, which is an accurate description. Yeah, it's something of, that all guys do. Um, it's an accurate description of that conversation between Buffy and Xander, but I really love the way that they just <laughs> get a little... They editorialize a bit, and they're like, he's being pretty illogical here. Um, but he is. So they recognize the three. Giles like is like, okay, this is these vampires who attacked you. Um, he... Is he reassures them that they're not a threat because since they failed, they had to give up their lives. Which is like, was this their first failure ever? I guess. Um, yeah. I mean, apparently, because they they had lives. Yeah. It seems, <laughs> uh, and it seems very like, like 
okay, you failed the first time. Just go try again. Like, it's it's stupid, frankly. It's, I think, the it's weakest... easy way to get rid of them. Yes. But I do really like the part where the master is like, killing these people, or killing them will bring me little joy. And he, like, he and the anointed one start to walk away, and it pans to Darla, who's got, like, the big fucking stake, and she's just like, ah! And she stakes up with this huge fucking grin on her face. And then the master's like, but sometimes a little joy is enough. That's actually really good. It's really good. Like, I love that line. And I love uh, Mark Metcalf's delivery of it. And um, it's, it's those little moments that um, make me really like the master as a villain. Like, I, I, it's, it's quippy, and I like it. During that whole, whole bit where they're kind of like going back and forth between all of them, my least favorite 90s moment was this is Xander's like green velvet <laughs> checked button down. You can make a whole podcast just about how bad Xander's <laughs> wardrobe is. <laughs> that was the, that was the, the low point for me. Yeah. Um, I really, really like Cordelia's, like, um, that it's like a black dress with, like, um, like colorful circles on it. It's the one that she's yelling at the other girl about. Yeah, like, this is the original. That's a knockoff. She, like, looks at the tag. (laughs) And the girl is like, get the fuck away from me. I know that girl. The the Cordelia of the girl being accosted by Cordelia. Yeah. Everybody's got a Cordelia. Um, so yeah, Jason, you really liked her line here. Oh yeah, it's like we're going for uh, fun '90s moments. Uh, she said, "This is what happens when you get involved in those trade agreements." <laughs> so, first of all, very topical to take a stab at NAFTA, <laughs> <laughs> which had been going strong for three years at this point. <laughs> it's such a good line, and it's like one of Cordelia's, other than her, like her spat with Xander earlier in the episode. It's one of her only scenes in the episode, but damn it, she makes it count. She, <laughs> um, and just... Cordelia is an inspiration to mean girls everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> um, Giles wants to do um, weapons training with her, uh, with Buffy, not with Cordelia. Um, and Buffy is real enamored with the crossbow. I wonder if that'll be important later. Mm-hmm. Um, so they do some weapons training, and for the first time, the show says, oh, here's why students aren't coming into the library while the student and this teacher are fighting one another. Uh, because Giles puts out a sign in front of the library that says, closed for filing. <laughs> so I didn't realize that was something that you have to close the library for. I assumed that like a librarian they're practically filing all the right? time. It's like so. part of their job. It's like real smooth, Giles. Real smooth. Hey, you know what? It got the job done. Fair. Um, so Buffy goes home that night. Um, Angel stayed in her room all day. Which, actually, if you are watching it and you don't know that he's a vampire, you're probably like, why the fuck is he still there? But once you find out he's a vampire, it makes sense. He oh, he can't go he outside. He can't leave. He couldn't leave um, during the day because of the sun. Um, but 
Puffy gets all upset because she sees her diaries out and she thinks he read it and she goes on a, a bit of a rant that she, Hunk she can, up. She, yeah, she's like, Hunk can mean anything, not good things. And she's like, and I didn't mean his eyes were penetrating, I meant bulgy. And, and he doesn't stand for Angel, it stands for Ahmed, a very charming foreign exchange student. At which point Angel's like, I didn't read your diary. Your mom just moved it when she came in here cleaning while I watched her from the closet. Which, okay, I get it. He needed to hide. He, but, like, couldn't he have just said, I hid in the closet while your mom was in your room? Not, no, I watched her. He from the- had to watch. <laughs> yeah, that's what he does. He <laughs> finds himself in a dark place. He watches people. <laughs> he had to be in the closet because there's windows in the room. That's true. That is there, true. Yeah, there, really aren't, all dead. there really aren't a lot of places to hide in that room. Because it's a actually pretty small room. And With when that light comes in. Yeah. Oof. Um, his other option, I guess, was under the bed. Um, so they kiss. And it's a good kiss. Mm-hmm. Like She's like, where is she right? <laughs> and he's like, right right <laughs> um, it, I love this kiss. This is one of the when I think about like my favorite kisses on Buffy. It, this is one that I go back to, um, and not just for what happens after, but it's a good kiss. I'm like watching you, it. You already like, mentioned it, but David Boreanaz and Sarah Michelle Gellar, such good chemistry, amazing chemistry, and like throughout the series. For better or worse moments, it persists. Oh my gosh. They and they, they look good together, even though he's like four times her size. He looks like she could she could like cut him open like a tauntaun and climb inside and she'd have lots of room. <laughs> Sorry, that was a fucking weird metaphor. <laughs> like, hey, I'm here for it. I am here for it. Um so they're kissing, and then he breaks away and turns away and he's like, no. And she's like but why? And he's like, which she justifiably is like, shit, <laughs> bad news bears. Mm-hmm. Um, he jumps out the window. She's screaming. Joyce runs in and Joyce is like, what's wrong? And Buffy's very unconvincingly is like, I saw a shadow. And I want to, I want to know what, because we cut away right there, but I want to know what happened afterwards, where Joyce was like, you saw a shadow, and you started screaming at the top of your lungs, and Buffy's like, yeah, and she's like, stop fucking lying to me, Buffy. Uh, Tyler, big revelation scene, how'd you feel? I mean, I was kind of talking through that whole scene. (laughs) I feel like I kind of already knew he was a vampire at this point. You seemed pretty convinced. Throughout the episode, you you had landed on vampire, but you were still kind of holding off on maybe he's an angel. Maybe he's an angel. Uh, Just (laughs) anything else. I mean, yeah, because at this point, like, you don't really know what the Buffyverse is going to throw at you. It's true. It could be anything. He could could be a bug person. (laughs) Yeah, they came right out the gate. Fourth episode. People can be bugs! Um, (sighs) I... Wasn't, I don't know. I I guess the way the the moment you know is whenever his like face changes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like any immediate thoughts when that happened? Um, no. 
That's cool. <laughs> Great insight. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to put you on the spot there. No, I mean, just... that, not that I remember. I'm trying to think. I was just kind of like, yeah, it's Firewood. <laughs> like, you, you, yeah. you were glad we had Hooray, confirmation. confirmation. Like, yeah. uh, that's fair. I wonder how... Like, this is one of the things, I, I, I mentioned this uh, in our first episode where I talked about my personal journey with Buffy. Um, I would like to go on a journey with Buffy. It'd be fun, but dangerous. But she'd be there to protect me. Anyway. Um, but, shit. I was talking with uh, someone at work the other day. Um, they were, we were talking about Scooby-Doo, and he was like, what Scooby-Doo character do you think you are? And I, I kind of went through all of the characters and, like, I was like, well, you know, I'd like to be a Velma, but I think I'm, I think I might be a Daphne. I was like, but I think I'm Daphne from the live action movies. Because um, oh, you just want to be Sarah Michelle Gellar. <laughs> yes. Um, but actually, I think I'm a Fred because I tend to fall into leadership positions. That, that is true. Um, but, but in Daphne's defense, she's the only one of the three that like aren't Scooby and Shaggy to appear in the 13 Ghosts of Scooby-Doo. That's true. Um, and she's also a very famous reporter in Scooby-Doo on Zombie Island. Um, but my, my coworker who I was having this discussion with after we talked about it for a bit, he was like, you know, I think you're the guy who puts on the scary costume to lower property values. <laughs> I think... Oh my god. I couldn't I was like, yeah. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> but anyway, um, I you know, in my personal journey with with Buffy, when I watched it, I watched it when several years after it had, it, it had already ended. Um and I you know, a lot of the big surprises I already knew. Mm-hmm. Um, so I really wonder what it was like in 1997 on April 14th to be watching it as it aired and the revelation that Angel was a vampire. Like, was that a, a huge, like, were the message boards, like, blowing up? Were there message boards? It's I really interesting to think about that with any TV show, yeah. really. Like, um, you think about, uh, for any Star Trek fans out there, you think about the season three finale of Star Trek The Next Generation, mm-hmm. The Best of Both Worlds, it ends with, like, oh, Riker's about to launch this super weapon at a board ship that has Captain Picard on it, uh, of recently assimilated Captain Picard, and you're like, and then it just says, to be continued, and you're like, how did people feel back then? Yeah, like, they didn't have Netflix. freaking out? Like, Netflix wasn't going to play the next episode in 15 seconds. Like, it was, you had to wait for the summer! <laughs> and it's really interesting just how modern TV has drifted towards the streaming and the releasing whole seasons at mm-hmm. once. Like, is that feeling going to ever be as intense as it was with the primetime dramas of the 80s yeah, and 90s? I think that's an interesting question. And I think in some ways, no. But it does, I, I think that does, in some other ways, um adds more of that you think if you um when Buffy would air its finales for instance in May and the new season would be in September we'll say 
So yes, you had to wait. You know, there was that, the, maybe there was a huge cliffhanger or something and you had to wait. That you were waiting for, you know, yeah, Uh, maybe, but but with any show like that, with Star Trek, you know, but those people only had to wait three months, maybe, to, and that was a big deal, but um, Lost season finale, same thing, oh my god, having to wait those three months was killer, but now, when the way it's done with streaming shows, uh, it's released all at once, you watch the season in a day, and then you have to wait a fucking year to, like... (laughs) If there's, or you so, know, you could just be a fan of Sherlock and never know when the fuck you're gonna get yeah. an episode. So I think it's a give and take. There's you, you lose something, but there is something else that you you get from it. Mm-hmm. I'm not one of those people who's like storytelling and TV is ruined by streaming. It's just a new kind, yeah, of storytelling. Um, and and people adjust to it or they don't. So, any hoozle boozle, um. <laughs> Where are we in the plot of the episode? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So Buffy, Angel has crashed through the window. Or no, he hasn't crashed through the window. He'll crash through a window later. (laughs) But he has gone out the window. Buffy's freaked out. Uh, The next day at school... Buffy shares um, the revelation. She shares the revelation. Xander is briefly in the right. Where he's like, that shit's fucked up. But he quickly ruins it by (laughs) being Xander. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so, um, we're back and forth with Darla. Yes. Angel goes to his apartment. Darla's there. And is this where we learn that they have a, that they have a history? Was this? Yeah, because they're talking about just like, oh, haven't seen you in a lifetime. Yeah. All that jazz. And they have, it's clear. This is like. Several generations. On one hand, this is like two evil vampires who have a long history. But on the other hand, it's two exes who have not seen each other in a while and did not go out on the best of terms. But you know what? They seem fairly like... It's not like they get into like a crazy brawl just like, oh, I'm going to kill you. Not yet. (laughs) They're very much like the playful, like, oh, do you remember our glory days? Last time I saw you, it was kimonos. And her... Last time I saw you, it wasn't high school, school girls. <laughs> Fair point, Darla. Fair point. You may be evil, but... <laughs> you know what's up. Um, she... In, in one regard. <laughs> um, but it's interesting that um, Darla's look is schoolgirl... Well, she looks younger in this episode. When she's like in her like human face, mm-hmm. like she looks prettier than she has in the other ones. Mm-hmm. Like she looks more like evil. They definitely played up the the Buffy Darla foil in this episode. They're both uh-huh. young, pretty blonde girls. Of course, Darla is not young, but she is pretty and blonde. Um, yeah, but like she, she definitely looked different in mm-hmm. this episode. Maybe that's just if we've been seeing her so much as a vampire. That's true. But I also think it's partially because this is the first episode where we, um, since we've met Darla, 
that she's significant to the plot. Yeah. She's more than a flunky for the master. Yes, yeah. So far, whenever we've seen Darla, it's been as page. just one she of the masters. Oh, I know. He's so sad. Um, but so far, when we've seen Darla, it's just been she's just one of the masters' flunkies. Yeah, um, she's a memorable I, one. In the beginning of the episode, I was like, wait, didn't she? Die? <laughs> um, but this episode, she is. I, I think she is a character. Yeah. She is. We learn that she has this history with Angel, and then she dies. And then she dies, <laughs> um, which is a bummer, um, because I love Julie Benz. Um, I think that Dexter made a big mistake killing off, killing her off. But she was wonderful on Dexter. She was great on Dexter, mm-hmm. um, and I I think you can point to that moment. Uh, and and you can start to see the decline in quality overall. It's still, you know, it hadn't gotten to the dregs yet, but that is a moment that retrospectively I look at and I go, that was a mistake. That was a storytelling mistake, and the show never recovered from it. Fair enough. But this is not a Dexter this is podcast. Not a Dexter podcast. <laughs> I wouldn't do a Dexter podcast. It would just be me angrily, like, frothing at that mouth. Oh my god, did you see that seasoning? So at this point in the plot, we're, like, in and out of the library, and, like, mm-hmm. you see some stuff with the master, and then eventually Darla's gonna kill her mom. Yes, she shows up at... I'm gonna try. She's gonna kill her mom. Well, no, I don't... No. Allegedly. She doesn't want... This is my read on it. She doesn't yeah. want to kill... She's trying she's to stage it so that Angel... Yeah. It yeah. looks like Angel was the one who attacked her mom. Yeah. Um, but I think even more than that, she is trying to stage it so that it looks like Angel's the one who did it. But we also know Darla wants Angel back. Mm-hmm. She wants to bring him back into the fold. So I think she very deliberately leaves Joyce alive. Yeah. I think she wants Angel to kill and feed on Joyce. And it looks like Angel is, is tempted. To. Yeah, I don't think he would have. Even if Buffy hadn't showed up, I don't think he would have. But the, I think there's definitely an instinctual thing. He well, There's blood. He is a vampire. Well, yeah, it's kind of like, I mean, just think of it from our perspective. Like, oh, you have, if you eat, like, a lot of sandwiches with cold cuts. No, hang on. This is going to be an actual point. <laughs> no, I know. So, I know. Like, I know. So, like, so, like, you eat, like, you have nothing for dinner but, like, cold cuts and, like, cold sandwiches and stuff. Then, like, all of a sudden, it's like, oh, I've got some money to spend. Do I want to spend it on, like, buying more cold cuts? Or do I want, like, a, a hot meal, like a yeah. nice hot steak dinner or something? Yeah. And as ridiculous as an analogy is, I think it's apt. I think that Joyce is a hot steak dinner. Oh my god. Uh, <laughs> but so I you know, they don't get explicit with it in the episode, but I do think that one, she wants Buffy to see Angel and think he attacked her mother, but she also wants Angel to give in and to to feed on her. Yeah. Um I think it's twofold. Um but she she leaves. Um she I refers say. to the Revolutionary War as the War of Independence, which I love because it I mean, that's what... You've mentioned this as we were watching it. Yeah. But, like, you know... Who calls it that? She, uh, someone who was there yeah. calls it that. <laughs> like, um, we should be grateful she didn't call the Civil War the War of Northern Aggression. <laughs> um, 
<laughs> it got political. Um, uh, the Civil War was about slavery. Deal with it, racists. Um, so Buffy throws Angel through the fucking window. And here's my thoughts on this. So first of all, like, yeah, get him out of the house. Um, one, she takes a, the time to be like... To, You're not invited here. Yeah, she gets she gets them to give him like a one-liner before calling 911. It's like, Buffy, time is of the essence. Your mama's bleeding out. Now, is this the first time that Joyce was threatened in the show? Is this the first time yes. that Joyce was in danger? Yes. She doesn't understand the, she doesn't, the lighting the gym part. She doesn't... Yeah, she doesn't know. Then this is the first time Joyce has... Yeah, this is the first time Joyce has been like, in any so sort of direct anger, line of danger. That anger is a uh, is a huge thing. Yeah, and this actually to the point. Uh, this is the point that I wanted to get to. Uh, oh, yeah, I to the beginning of the episode. Uh, Buffy has after the whole taking Joyce to the hospital, which occurs. She does say, "I've killed a lot of vampires, but I've never hated one before." Mm-hmm. And you mentioned how oh they didn't want the vampires to look human. Um, because they didn't want Buffy killing humans, so it's kind of like or killing anything that looks like yeah, human. Yeah, so it's like, oh well, Buffy. How does Buffy view these vampires? And also, how does Angel change that? I think based on that line that I've never hated one before. She probably views them almost like pests. pests. Yeah, yeah, she's pest control. Stuff that needs to they're, be killed. They're dangerous. They're evil. You know, she understands that, but it's not It's not personal, mm-hmm. you know? It's, um, and, oh, oh, okay, okay, okay. Fumigation party at the beginning of the episode where they're oh, killing look cockroaches. That. Look at that. Like, um, I, you know, I don't know if that's what they were actually going for, but, but it, there's a certain amount of pest control there. But now it's personal. It's um, she. First of all, she, he manipulated her mm-hmm. from her perspective. Um, she made he made him. You know, she felt things for him. You know, she felt positive things. I'm not going to say love because I haven't known each other very long. But you know, she was very attracted to him. She definitely was interested in him, liked him, trusted him. I think that's the big thing. She. She let him sleep next to her bed. She definitely trusted him. Mm. And that was betrayed. And then he also, on top of that, hurt her fucking mom. Like, she's Tyler, not happy. You, if you enjoyed this episode, you're going to love season two. Mm. That's all I can say. The thing so good. That, okay, that I really like about when her mom was in the hospital is how um, Buffy and her mom's conversation like has yet to go through like Giles and what he knows. So, like, she, or we'll soon find out. So, like, she's talking about, she's like, oh, yeah, your friend. And Buffy thinks she means Angel. Angel. Um, which Giles later realizes she she's means not. Darla. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I and like that, that moment. That's a good moment. Yeah. I, like that a lot. I really love the, while Joyce is in the hospital, they're like, she's like, the doctor thinks that I, like, Tripped and fell on a barbecue fork. We don't have a barbecue fork. And also, my other question is, this is not something that's a a concern, like, in the moment, but how is Joyce going to react when she gets home from the hospital thinking that she's just tripped and fallen on a barbecue fork? 
that the whole front fucking window is <laughs> goddamn shattered. Like, I think um, it. Yeah, Joyce is but, very interesting in that regard. That there are quite a few times throughout the series that she's very much able to look the other way, mm-hmm. and we see that and, a lot in this episode. Mm-hmm. And uh, at this point, she doesn't even know what Buffy's up to. Yeah, and no uh, fucking clue. Yeah, so. But then there are, like, super mom moments when she's like, who's this young boy? Mm. And maybe it's just because she just can't fathom the stuff. I think that, that, well, I think that makes sense. You know, you see your mom, your single mom, you see, you come home one night, your teenage daughter has a boy, an older boy at the house. Mm-hmm. That is an immediate, like, mom alert, mom alert. But, you know, my my daughter fights evil. Is That's not in that's not in the box. That's not a normal thing that parents have to think about. So she doesn't even have a frame of reference for it. So there are, so those things that she can't explain, she doesn't. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, she, and like we, like we see with some of the other Sunnydale residents um, in, in some of the earlier episodes, or Giles specifically mentions, people will forget what they can't explain or ignore it, which is, true in real life too yeah like people will if uh it's a it's a it is a, like a psychological response if your brain can't fucking comprehend it it will it will put the best label it can on it and then push it to the back yeah. um so after all this hospital nonsense um <laughs> joyce is so yeah. excited that giles is there she's like that school is Amazing. We we uh, <laughs> go back to the third best club in Sunnydale, <laughs> um, which is now closed for the actual fumigation. Which is like, how are the uh, whatever? Well, I guess it wouldn't it wouldn't affect Angel or Darla, well, Buffy. but Buffy. Yeah, she's the Slayer. You <laughs> can breathe poison. Um, I'll just well, I, I'm gonna chalk it up to higher immunity, or maybe they just haven't started fumigating yet. Maybe it's it's closed. It's a yeah, it's closed, and they're prepping for fumigation. Fumigation. <laughs> and with that, we're going to take just a second to talk about the gay agenda and the gay vocab. What vocab words will we learn that again? Yes. What is on the gay agenda for today? Harrison, mm-hmm. this episode has been so enjoyable for me mm-hmm. as a as a gay man. What? Is on the gay agenda for you. I think it's obvious, Tyler. I think it's Nippletown Angel. Nippletown. He's just whipping his titty out. And it's just inside the frame. Like they have the choice to edit that out. On purpose. Um so this gay is here for that nip. It's only one nip. It's really only I mean we see him shirtless. And like, so we do get like you both nips from the other, but but it, especially in that close up, it's the just the particularly one. Particularly pronounced. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, I agree. That it was my favorite moment. Mm-hmm. I think some close contenders for me um, would have to be. Ooh, oh I know. Whenever. Um, and maybe this is, again, a little premature for me to be calling some characters gay. But I think the whole dynamic 
between, and we kind of talked about this with the like librarian bit with Giles, like normally like the librarian's a woman. I feel like oftentimes in like TV shows, um, you know, the stereotype is like, oh, my study buddy Mm -hmm. is like someone you're like trying to be interested in. Yeah. And in this episode, study buddies are Willow and Buffy. Mm -hmm. And I was just kind of like, something noted. So you're like, hmm, I wonder what Willow and Buffy were doing while they were Mm -hmm. studying. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Darla uses the same... They're, they're not study buddies, but she that's that's her lie to get into the house. Mm-hmm. So maybe the three of them. Let's just we can all speculate. I, wow, okay, I wasn't gonna take it that far. <laughs> Norma into that, so But we should be open we should and be accepting. open and accepting of every walk of game. On somebody else's yum hair, so. I wasn't. You were <laughs> I'm trying to turn this on you. <laughs> um Obviously, Angel could not have a shirt on for the rest of the series, and I'd be okay with that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think it's a spoiler to say that... It happens again. Yeah, he's shirtless a lot. Um, That's all all I'll say to that. Good, good, good. Oh, this brings me to one of my favorite words. Yeah. And I think this is one of the best fitting words. It has a long definition, though. Okay. Um, I'll just dive right in. Today's gay vocab is trade. Like trading Pokemon cards. That's the word. Ah. Um, but this is not a verb. It is a noun. Ah, okay. Um, specifically a person. Generally a self-identified heterosexual, straight or, you know, straight acting, but still potentially closeted and work occasionally bisexual man mm-hmm. who will engage in intercourse or really any other, any other activity like intimacy or just like dates or escort kind of situation mm-hmm. um, with a flamboyant individual in exchange for money or other perks like you know drinks at the bar this kind of thing you, you would call someone like angel a trade uh, because you would willingly trade be it money or whatever for doing it for or time with him in general okay i mean yeah we would all so like to do that angel is not necessarily he's not a trade anything but he has all the qualities that one would look for in a trade mm-hmm. and so you could call him a trade because you want that gotcha yeah um, generally, this is also a term in drag race that refers to a drag queen who is considered attractive out of drag. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of takes a departure from the whole like prostitution escort thing. But generally speaking, we're talking about an attractive male with whom you would pay money for. Okay. I don't like the hanging uh, preposition on the end of that. That's okay. generally speaking, an attractive male with whom you would pay money for his time. Oh, you... Okay. Mm, for... You could just say, for whom you'd pay money. For whom you'd pay money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There we go. Direct object. Um, we we did just call him an object. Mm-hmm. <laughs> object of my direction. Um, object of my erection. Damn, girl. 
So that is that. You know how you know what a trait is. Woo. I think we can think of a couple. Me. Not you. That's me. Girl, you give it out for free. I I I will not respond to I will <laughs> if that's veiled comment about me, I won't I won't hear it and I won't respond to it. <laughs> well then we could think about other examples of trade for this segment if you'd like. Um, I think I think Angel fits it pretty well for me. I think he, he gets it done for me this week. I would pay money to see that make it. Yeah. So let's let's continue. So we get this fight scene between Angel Darla and Buffy. It starts off just between Angel and Buffy. Yeah, yeah. Um Angel and Angel's kind of like, you should kill me. Like But she did too. Yeah. Just like do it. They they definitely have this it's like a trust fall exercise. <laughs> it's like I knew you had a song. Um so and this is where he tells her how he killed um, this young girl who was like the beloved member of the, this Romani clan and um, throws around the word gypsy a couple of times, which is not the preferred nomenclature. Uh, um, I do have to say, though, like, if you are not aware of the preferred nomenclature, I didn't find that out until, like, last year. Well, and that's a fairly... Um, it's definitely one of those things that because the Romani had been so frequently vilified yeah, by like, people. What is more likely that you have heard to this point? Mm-hmm. Like, have you heard the word gypsy or have you heard the word Romani? I definitely heard the word gypsy. Yeah. And it's one of those things where because they were a vilified people, the, 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 the term gypsy was more acceptable, mm-hmm. you know, in the same way that a long time ago, the N-word was totally right. acceptable. Um, so um, I personally am going to, unless we are, like, directly quoting, like... A, yeah, a, we're sticking with Romani. We're going to hear it a lot. But I'm going to stick with Romani just so I... I don't, also tried to make a point to do that as well when we first started. It just feels like a nice thing to do. I didn't even pick up on either, but... Um, well, also, surprisingly, the word gypped is a, is a yeah, I mean, derivation of that. So, yeah. yeah, don't don't say that. Don't say it. <laughs> um, um, and um, so that's where we get this backstory. He killed this girl. The, the Romanis, uh, the Romani people cursed him with a soul. And he's good now. He brought his soul back. Yes. And um, and now he has to live with himself. And this scene has the best outfit. <laughs> it's it's frustrating. Why? Okay, so there's everything. I love here for sequin, like the purple sparkles yes, and the leather pants. I do love that. I really love the idea because this is the first time. We've seen a gun on Buffy, I think. That was 
That was the mindfuck. <laughs> yeah. I was like, what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was really funny. Like, yes, Angels of Empire. You were like, yeah, okay, got it. And then Darla pulls out a gun, and you're like, don't yeah. got it. Well, I like the idea of it. I like that it because it, it shows Darla's not fucking around. She's here. <laughs> she means business. Like, but, and I mean, no disrespect to Julie Benz, who I adore. But she holds them so awkwardly, like really close to her body. She's kind of, it looks, what's the um, robots in Austin Powers called? Uh, the Benbot. <laughs> kind of, you're not wrong. Like, it just, it looks like no one showed her how you're supposed to hold a gun. So she's just like holding them really close to her, like. Well, she's like 300 years old, so like. I, I, Maybe that's how they did. <laughs> also, I mean, how often do vampires use guns? Not very like, often. I think there's even like a a line in a later is that a later episode of Buffy or Angel when Angel's is like, uh oh, vampire with a gun, and you're like, well, that is a weird thing. <laughs> it might be. That's, I think that's an angel thing. Okay. Um, but it's it still looks weird. Just like no matter how we justify it, it looks the way she holds it looks strange, and it it does break some of the tension in the scene for me. Not a lot, because the episode has done such a good job of I building really like up the all the tension. Yeah, I like when Giles hits, like, a light board or something on accident, and we get, like, the strobe effect. Oh, that was his fucking... Yeah. yeah. And this is the point that we talked about while we were watching. Okay, so if you put a stake through a vampire, it has to go through their heart. Yes. She hits her with the... with the... Crossbow. crossbow. But it doesn't hit the heart. It doesn't hit her heart. It hits her like that. in the stomach or something. But immediately I was like, what? What the fuck? I thought uh, you could get them in the brain. Would that work? Like, I don't know. Beheading works, but what if you wouldn't stake them in the brain? What was that? What if you wouldn't stake them? <laughs> oh, <in> the brain? <laughs> no. It's it's gotta be through the heart. I mean, I think because it... vampires do have regenerative abilities, mm, so you uh... could like. Probably mess up a vampire putting a yeah. stake through the head. And, shot, um, so. yeah, yeah, and there are like other, uh, there are other vampire shows like the Vampire Diaries that allude to like, oh, if you like stake them, but it's not in the heart, it still really hurts. Mm. I, you know, they never mm. say, they never really do say what would happen if you destroyed a vampire's brain. Like we know, beheading will kill a vampire. Mm-hmm. It's it's beheading, stake to the wooden stake to the heart, or fire, fire or sunlight. Um, and then like all the various holy paraphernalia, like holy right. Water and stuff. Um, but I, we don't really see them kill like holy water. Actually, I, I take that back. Um, but you need a lot of holy water. Yeah. So yeah, so we get this fight scene. Um, my favorite part of which is when. Uh, Darla gets knocked back on the pool table and Buffy like kicks the pool table but Darla's just lying on it and she's like still shooting as the pool table's going. She's like, Badass. She's like one of those like computer generated like characters in a video game that like doesn't really you know, Yeah. It's weird. It's um, it's it's not my favorite fight choreography honestly but I do really like the scene because I think even though the fight choreography suffers a little in the execution the episode itself has built up to this conflict between the three mm. and has, you the know, I'm invested, <laughs> the three of them, not the three, <laughs> um, but I am invested in how this fight ends. And it ends with Angel staking Darla and oh, yeah. her, her, when she, after she, she stake, he stakes her 
she just looks at him and says, Angel? And dies. It is kind of heartbreaking. Very, like, right before the fight starts, you find out that Darla was the one who sired Angel, who yeah. turned him into a vampire. And um, that is a that is a relationship that becomes more important as the series goes on. Yeah. But even then, even now at this point, if you haven't seen, like, if you're just making your first way through the show, you're like, oh, this is a big moment it, for Angel. It matters. Yeah. Like, Darla seems so, she seems shocked. She, she, like, in that, Julie Benz does a great job in that one line of expressing the shock, the betrayal that she's feeling she, I, I I truly believe that she didn't think that Angel would or could kill her. Not that he didn't have the ability, but that he, she didn't, always like, he emotionally that, could. She always thought that she had the ability to bring him back into the yeah. fold, so she never would have thought that, like, he yeah. was that far gone. Yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a heartbreaking moment. It's a weird moment where I'm like, oh, Torla, you, you evil thing. <laughs> um... <laughs> And then we cut to the master, who is furious. Uh, she was his favorite. She was his favorite. She's epitomizing this drama queenness of himself. He's like throwing shit, Rolling crying. On the floor. He's like, you know, like he'd be if he had hair, he'd be like pulling it out in clumps. And the fucking annoying one <laughs> is like. So that's what you're calling him, the annoying one? I'm, I'm going for it. He's irritating. He has weird, like, mod on his voice, though. Yeah, they've, they've like, dub, like, you've got the kid's voice, and they're, but they're also dubbing, like, this demon voice. And it doesn't sound good. It, like, it's hard to understand his lines because of it. I think it would have been more effective if he was just a kid. Like, the whole idea that's supposed to be creepy about it is that he's a child like, who is this evil vampire. But, yeah, um, he also can't act. But um, he's like, forget about her. She was weak. And I, part of me is when they like like, sentimental. He's like, pat him on the back. They like hold hands and like walk (laughs) away. Like there's something like weird and just like family sentimental. Like, yeah, family whose mom just got killed. I think that's a, I think that's a good thing to introduce, um, especially to your main villain, that um, because the minute that you humanize a villain is the minute that like they're not just this force that you need to take out it's like they're a character yeah they are they are somebody who you have to like they are a conscious mind that in your quest to defeat them you will be like robbing Mm -hmm. them of everything yeah and i think that moment of showing his grief over darla is such a good character moment for it's the master. It's really the first death that he's truly cared about. The other... I mean, technically, like, he cared about, uh, Luke was his name in Luke, the... in the first yeah, episode. Yeah, he cared about that, but that was more for the rituals. All of his... All of the reactions we've seen from the master about one of his minions being killed have been anger at, at their failure. You know, it's been like, fuck, I can't believe I lost another goddamn minion. This is grief Mm -hmm. that he lost someone he cared about. It's a very different thing, and I like it. I think they would have (laughs) boned. I yes. I'm pretty sure I put that forth. I'm like, huh? Are we? Do we think that Darla Foster? Do we throw that on there (laughs) into the ether? 
Um, so at the end of the episode, we're at the the uh, the Bronze again, the yes. third best club in Sunnydale, and uh, it's the post fumigation party. Uh, which uh, I think Xander has a... Is this the line that I laughed yeah. at? Where I was like, huh, that was funny. What's the difference between the pre-fumigation and the post-fumigation? Oh, hardier cockroaches. And I was like, that's a good joke, Xander. Good job. <laughs> um, but, um... So I just have to say, um, about this scene, it might be one of my favorites, like, images in Buffy. The in cross? Total. Yes. Like, because uh, the episode ends with, um... Yeah, yeah. With uh, Buffy and Angel, they're, like, catching each other up. They say, like, oh, we can't do this um, because of who we are. But then they, like, start making out anyway in the bronze. Good for them. But then he's, um, I can't remember if it's Buffy or if it's Angel who says this really hurts. And at first you think, like, oh, like, it's Mm -hmm. heartbreaking and stuff like that. But then Buffy is wearing the cross that that Angel gave her in the first episode. And as she goes away... She was so close to Angel that the cross had burned onto Angel. So it was like actually physically hurting. Yeah. And, and that's the image we leave on. It is one of it is the last shot of the episode, and it is one of the most tragically beautiful shots mm-hmm. of the entire series. And also very indicative of, in my opinion, the main theme of the series, which is here's this girl who is trying to live a normal life. But at the same time, she also has to be the one line of defense against the forces of evil and darkness. Mm -hmm. And she constantly realizes throughout the series she can't have both. Yeah. And this is one of those moments. Like, this is very indicative of that. Mm -hmm. It's a a really gorgeous shot. I agree. And there's there's a lot of... There's a lot of symbol... Like you said, there's a lot of symbolism in that one shot. Um, Yeah, that's where where we leave the episode. So, um... What what are all takeaways? I love this episode. Um, This is up till now. This I think this is the best episode we've had so far. Um, It is my second favorite episode of the season. Have you watched your first favorite? No, not yet. I think this is very. It's very hard between because we've talked about this before. Like what our favorite episodes are this season, but. This episode is constantly like trying to shoulder, like get its way up to the top because it's so important. Um, it really is the first time you find out a lot about Angel, who, as has been, as was said at the beginning of this podcast, I'm a very big fan of, and like you get so you get so much, not just in the regards of Angel, but also in the regards of all the other characters. Mm-hmm. What about episodes? really touched on theme frequently throughout, mm-hmm. I think. But what about the music? Um, honestly, not a lot of music that stands out in this episode. Um, there's a song that plays the bronze at the very end that's called... It's kind of like a stereotypical 90s ballad. Yeah, it's called... I gotta find it, because I had... It's I'll Remember You by Sophie Zalmani. Not I Will Remember You by Sarah McLaughlin. Um... But otherwise, it's just the score, um, and it's it, it doesn't none of, none of the music in this episode really stands yeah, out. Yeah, it doesn't pop. Um, no, no, no bangers. What about like uh, 
Did Giles get knocked out? Giles did he not did get not. knocked out. He stayed firmly conscious. But he, did, him. he did get his ass kicked and he fell to the floor, but he was sure. not knocked out. Yeah. We talked about my best and worst nineties moments. Mm-hmm. Um, did anybody stunt doubles? I didn't really notice any that were really obvious. No. I mean, I I started to think that maybe when Giles got knocked on his ass, that like that could have been a stunt double that did the fall, and then yeah. like the next shot is of Giles on the ground. I'm certain nothing, there were stunt doubles, but, but none of yeah, them like were nothing, nothing super obvious. like Star Trek obvious. Yeah. What about well, this? Would be a good one for you. Oh, um, the three. Um, oh, right, right. The, how um, they drew inspiration, possibly uh, drew inspiration. This was like a fun fact I found on Wikipedia. <laughs> but like uh, they drew inspiration from like there was a medieval king that um, divided up his warriors into like the 30 and the three. And given the fact that these are constantly referred to as the three, and they also had um, medieval armor on that uh, could be that as well. And yeah, it's. I can't. I'd just be going into spoiler territory, but this episode builds the foundation not only for what's going to come in the next one or two seasons of Buffy, but also the like the premise of the Angel spinoff. Mm-hmm. So the, it is. This episode is paramount to the Buffyverse. I agree. Mm-hmm. Um, I have a trivia. Um, we talked about this earlier, but the leather jacket that Angel wears is a Hugo Boss uh, jacket. Not a Dolce & Gabbana. <laughs> Not a Dolce & Gabbana. Angel would never be caught dead in Dolce & Gabbana. <laughs> it's Hugo Boss, and it is worth over $1,000, which is crazy town banana pants. That's why I wore my new leather. <laughs> <laughs> he knew. Leather. He was like, we're watching an Angel episode, so I'm going to wear pleather. I almost thought about wearing my long uh, leather coat, <laughs> but it's cold outside and it doesn't there. do well against the there. cold. Um, I think we talked most. Uh, I was gonna go, I wanted to go through character beats a little. This episode is very heavy, Buffy and Angel and Darla and, and, and Darla. So we've talked about all them. Um, the rest of the cast don't have a lot going Willow on. Willow has some like weird moments. Willow's Willow's. Willow doesn't get a lot to do other than just be enamored with the idea of Buffy and Angel. Joyce gets some. Joyce gets a good amount of time. Joyce gets a good amount of screen time too. Giles is in. Not Giles. Sorry, Giles. Um, Cordelia has zingers. <laughs> Cordelia has some zingers, but she's not in much. No. She's only in like those two scenes. But she in those two count. scenes, like um, Xander, stupid. Xander is insufferable in this episode. Give or take. His heartier cockroaches line. <laughs> but he is so possessive of Buffy and so dismissive of her own opinions about her life. And I'm just like, dude, fuck you. <laughs> um, but Again, like, and that's not coming from me. That I was the one who like admitted yeah. that I'm not a big Xander fan, but that's coming from me. I will say, I want to I do want to say when I complain about Xander, I actually think Xander is a very well written character. I don't want to I'm not saying, like, I think Xander is a bad character. I think Xander's kind of a bad dude. But I actually think, as a character... He's a very typical... Yes. A very typical What a typical man, boy. I mean. Um, I was going to say high school boy. But, yeah. Um, but I, I really do think that he's a well-written character and a well-rounded character. And I am excited for, for 
for his arc that we're gonna see, um, which is gonna have to be patient. But I'm gonna call out his bullshit every time, yeah. and I will with every character. Um, but you know, the ratio of bullshit is higher where Xander is concerned. Um, yeah. Any other thoughts or theories or oh, we need to Tyler needs to predict things. Um. So okay. <laughs> um, I mean, they're like, we can't be together. That's lies. <laughs> Rumors and hearsay. <laughs> yeah, um, Xander's mm, gonna be more annoying. That's Willow. not fair. That's like low hanging fruit. <laughs> Willow, we need to develop that some more. Mm-hmm. Um, she's Xander has had two centric episodes so far, and Willow yeah. hasn't had one at all. I would love to see that. Um, Darla's out of the picture now, so I feel like pour it out for Darla. R.I.P. R.I.P. <laughs> um, I think Angel's probably going to be on the back burner. Okay. For a little bit. He's not in the opening credits. He's a guest star at this point. So maybe on the back burner, and then um, what can I know? What what's the next episode? The next episode is called I Robot You Jane. Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> so Hold like, on to that. <laughs> uh, so it's a play on Tarzan? Uh, the title is, yeah. Well, if we're already getting like sickened by like how just like possessive of Buffy, I'm gonna run with this. But Xander's gonna get turned into a robot? Or like he's gonna get turned into a robot, or like a robot clone of him, maybe. Okay. Um, something to that effect. I think the possessiveness—that's the I robot you Jake. Like that's where I'm going with it. Okay. Xander becomes a cyborg or something. Something to that effect, like a robot imposter. Okay. Okay. Not, but not limited to. <laughs> not limited to. I learned my mistake on the fucking pack. I was like, well, he's got to be more werewolf. Duh. And he was like, well, it's not really werewolves. He was possessed by a hyena. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> Xander's going to become some sort or some sort of robot will become him. I don't know which way it's going to be, but it's going to be something. Okay. All right. Well, that's that was uh, Tyler's prediction. I'm pissed about the fucking hyenas. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. We all are. <laughs> that was, um, you, you weren't here, obviously, but that was, the hyena thing was a big point of contention <laughs> in the last episode. Uh, okay. So that's um, my prediction. Thank you for joining us on Who's and Buffy. We'll be back next week with iRobot, Eugene. I'm Tyler, and I think that episode is probably going to be Xander being a robot of some sort. Um, <laughs> but beyond that, I wanted to talk about Orchestra Enigmatic. This is a yeah. chamber orchestra in Louisville, Kentucky. I am uh, a board member for so I like to plug, you know, shameless self-promotion. But we really like to use different kind of venues and any really space that we can to provide untraditional opportunities to experience music, but also, you know, focusing on new and local music as well. Uh, we really try to provide memorable educational experiences for everyone involved, 
We just had our big York Ball, which was a fun collaboration with Art Sanctuary. Coming up, we've got our concert to kick off Pride Month, also at Art Sanctuary. Gonna have some fun performers like Gilded Rabbit. It's gonna feature like queer music from Mozart to Now. And then uh, also on Mother's Day is at 21C. We're gonna have our free new music concert. That'll be super cool to now have all of our local and new composers represented. Um, so go to Proof, have a Mother's Day brunch, go to this concert. We've also got some delicious food there. Yeah. Or it's actually that weekend, so I take that back. Mother's Day weekend, I think it's the Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, those are going to be pretty fun. And you can find them at orchestraenigmatic.org or on Facebook. Same thing, I think. I'm Harrison. Uh, if you like, you can find me on Instagram at Harrison Alexander Kaufman, C O F F M A N. Um, or you can find me on Twitter at Harrison Kaufman, also C-O-F-F-M-A-N. Harrison is spelled the normal way, as is Alexander. (laughs) And uh, I'm Jason Effinger. Uh, I'm also on Facebook and Instagram, uh, E-F-F-I-N-G-E-R. Not too much interesting stuff going on right now, but I'm working on a few projects that... um, Hopefully I'll be able to plug on a future episode of this podcast. I love doing this with you guys, by the way. And uh, I'd love to do it again. Yeah, we'll definitely invite you back. And I'm Tyler, and I definitely thought that Jason's last name was Effinger. (laughs) It's Gur. It's very German, so you got to make it sound as harsh and as punchy as possible. If you can't remember, just think about it's Effinger, like... When Angel kissed Buffy and then went, grr. <laughs> um, uh, you can find us, Booze and Buffy, on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, it's at Booze and Buffy. The and is spelled out. We also have a YouTube channel where, with each episode, I will be releasing a very short video that's just me uh, called Spoiler Corner with, with Harrison, where I will talk about all the things I can't talk about in front of Tyler because of his baby virgin ears. You can also email us at boozeandbuffy at gmail.com. Thank you so much. Now you all go out and slay and be gay. That's... Oh my God. Hell yeah. <laughs>